Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Who? Welcome back, sports fans, to another show to the Charity Stripe Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one sports podcast network in Los Angeles. For those listening at home, on the road, in the air, or in the water. Do you believe we have a great show for you guys today? Julio Jones traded NBA playoffs, of course, in full swing. And maybe we'll do a little baseball. Who knows? So buckle up, tuck it into your waistband, because here we go. Three, two, one. We're back. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Strike Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Dan. We're back, baby. It's the Charity Strike. Pitch your free throws because they're free. And so 338 coming hot at you guys. Then so 337. And I'm joined on this one by Nikki Snacks Crider and Alex Toss Me the Rock to Sopolis. Toss is a new mic. And so that water droplet sound sounded pretty dang good. That was a good one. Yeah. It also helped that I actually did it correctly this time. Why? Last time I did not. Yeah. The last time you did miss it, but we went for it uh, nonetheless. Um, and speaking of going, I don't think for we've it, ever told people that Toss is the one that does the water drop you don't think we've mentioned that i don't think so i feel like we've said it before probably not for a while um i think most people probably just think that we're using uh maybe just sound bites of water like a sound clip from youtube maybe we are maybe it was the shape of water maybe it's like the sequel to shape of water sound of water would you guys watch that what is the sound of water (laughs) um a sequel i I, maybe i like that movie i thought it was good i I know uh, a lot of people gave it some flack for winning best picture but i enjoyed it thoroughly yeah i was a big fan of it sequel i don't know if i could do it but you know what i could do i could do an a plus grade for the tennessee titans that's for sure i think we were all pretty adamant that they were one of the teams that really needed to make that move they lose Corey Davis. They have Josh Reynolds as their number two. They gave up a second uh, future fourth, so that's a fourth in 2023, uh, and a sixth in 2023. The second is for 2022, and they get Julio Jones from the Atlanta Falcons. Was that enough for the Falcons, and do you think that the Titans were the number one team to go get Julio that needed him most? Um, well, when we had talked about it, I think that they were my number one team because I mentioned their previous relationship with Arthur Smith um, and I thought that the trade just made sense. You want to go across the uh, – well, of course you want to go out of your division, but you also want to go out of your conference if you can as well. So I, th- I think it just kind of made sense all across the board, previous relationship there. Could they have gotten more? Maybe. Um, but it's tough when you're a receiver who's past 30, even as talented as Julio is, and he's one of the best we've ever seen do it. But I think I think the trade makes sense, and I think that – I saw a a post that Matthew Barry put out. The fantasy implications are big all across the board, right? Ridley now is the prime guy in Atlanta. I think that, uh, you know, Pitts will probably have some more action. He was already going to have a lot of action to begin with. Yeah. Ryan will suffer, I imagine, a little bit. Mm. Um, But Tannehill just becomes more enticing. And Corey Davis, we we knew he was gone. And how much are you replacing there anyway? Because I don't really think he's that great. But he's in New York with the Jets now, so... 
hopefully he can uh, help Zach Wilson out. I don't know. Yeah, that was a big discussion that I was having. It always turns back to the Jets and Zach Wilson and how I think that this is uh, trouble in paradise um, for any of these conversations. But yeah, I concur. It's going to be, I think, People were talking about Calvin Ridley being a top five fantasy wide receiver. Maybe in like I saw someone who said wide receiver two, which is kind of crazy. Um, someone that, I think it was Pro Football Focus that projected him at like hundred receptions, sixteen hundred yards, which he's talented. He did miss some time last year. Um, I think it'd be really interesting to see if he can get there now that he's the, officially the number one in Atlanta. Um, Nick, we'll go with you, man. Enough for Julio. Um, yeah, I mean he's thirty two years old, so it's hard to give up more than what they got, I think, mm-hmm. second round and fourth round. Um, so, yeah, I think it's enough. And it makes me wonder why other teams, you know, didn't try to give up a little more. I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like some teams that were desperate could have definitely given up more to, to go out and get them. But um, you kind of have to wonder how much of the A.J. Brown influence had to do with this trade. You think that matters? All the social media. I think it matters a little bit. I mean, I think it definitely – I think – the Falcons were being classy about it, and they were saying, all right, Julio, where do you want to go? Yeah. And I think a lot of it came down to it. I think it, in, in a sense it was kind of like a free agency move. Mm-hmm. So I think you know having a young cat like A.J. Brown, who is very adamant about adding a veteran, wanting to learn from Julio, wanting to team up, and obviously that offense is electric with, with those two now, and Derrick Henry, not to mention him, the yeah. best running back in the league right now. Yeah. Um, and he's from the South. He grew up in the South. He's obviously in played in the South in Atlanta. This is a similar situation here. He's just in Tennessee, so yeah. I think it, I think it's a good fit. Now the exactly. two uh, two but, teams in the NFC West, though. Do you think like it was like because you mentioned Nick? I think it's a great point about the whole free agency aspect about having like the courtesy to ask him, "Hey, where do you want to go?" He's been there so long. Do you think there were reasons right. maybe he said that he didn't want to go to like San Francisco or a team like Seattle? Maybe touches, uh, maybe well, the road to get there. We didn't necessarily know that he said he. We didn't necessarily know that he said he didn't want to go there. It's true, you know. I, who knows if they, those are even options to even go there. I don't necessarily think he would have fit really in Seattle just because that's just too much going on. Mm-hmm. He's got a guy just like him in DK Metcalf and you got Ty Lockett. Um, and I also just don't think that their style of offense would really fit like a, a big three receiver core. I mean, like obviously it would have been, it would have been great to see it, but they're not like an air raid offense where it's just pass. pass. It's not like Mahomes offense. Yeah, you know? it's true. Um, San Francisco, on the other hand, it, I think for him, he probably didn't want to go there because you don't necessarily know how Trey Lance is going to fare in the NFL. Yeah. I think he wants a guy who's an established quarterback. Um, so like the teams that really, I think kind of missed the, I guess missed it were the chargers yeah. and I think the Packers, if they're trying to retain Rogers. Well, I think that ship has clearly sailed at this point. Because that was it. That was your time to really lock him in. It's unfortunate for the Chargers. I, I think the Chargers just really have faith in Mike Williams to give him one more go. Um, obviously, right. you have Keenan Allen there. But if Mike Williams is at full health, I think they think that they have their one-two punch. Um, does the A.J. Brown, yeah, Julio Jones one-two, it's, is that the best one-two too. punch? Yeah, it's cheaper. I th- Mike Williams is cheaper. I mean, this is his fifth year of his rookie deal, so it's kind of like a make or break for him, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you either see what he can do and – pay him next season or you let him go and use that second round pick that you had that you could have had for Julio and maybe get another guy or maybe even the first round pick. So there's always guys in these drafts that, you know, good receivers that can go in the second to third round. So, I mean, Keenan oh, yeah, Allen was the third time. round pick for us, but y'all just took one. Um, Metcalf was the second round pick. So yeah, you never know. 
Yeah, and plus you guys, you guys just took Palmer, so we're sitting there and they, yeah, they I mean, Palmer. Back, yeah, I don't necessarily know if Palmer's a true number two, but you know, we'll see what he can do. He didn't really have an amazing college career, but we've talked about it it's because there was instability in the quarterback position. So yeah. not really his fault if he went to a bigger program such as Alabama or. I mean, Tennessee's a big program, but if he had a more stable situation at the Absolutely. quarterback position, who knows? He could have been one of the top receivers taken in this draft. Yeah, I mean, to me, I think yeah, just... I mean, it's 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 Julio Jones, though. Yeah. Right. Like, if you look what they gave up, it wasn't much. I mean, they 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 better know what they're doing if they weren't willing to go make that trade because right these guys better step up because it's Julio Jones. The other thing I was thinking about was obviously we touched on it last last week is the Arthur Smith factor of him being from Tennessee, you know, having a relationship with variable, I'm sure, you know, it, it definitely helped sweeten the pot a little bit to know that it's a familiar organization, you know, it's, there's a mutual interest and, and, uh, you know, he wants to give back, I don't, not necessarily give back, obviously you gotta be competitive and, and think about your own situation, but there is a, there's a sense of friendliness there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very true. I think I just think Tennessee was the team that really needed to make that deal. The window it's so wide open in that division. The Jags are just not there yet. The Texans are in shambles. They are. I think they are already better than the Colts. They won eleven games last year. You, you yeah. would just replace Corey Davis with Julio. I mean, are they not going to win twelve or thirteen even now with the, the extended season? I mean, it's now it's their division to lose. It was like they needed that piece to really go and com- compete with the Bills, compete with um, the Chiefs, and and kind of and kind of compete with the big teams in, 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 the, in the AFC. I mean, I think it's all of a sudden they're probably the number three team in the AFC. I mean, I had probably maybe ahead of Baltimore, you know, yeah, I think um, Cleveland, too. Cleveland could kind of be in there as well. Um, I think New England's going to be nice, but I well, think, yeah, this, they certainly are going to look like they're certainly going to look like the number three team in the regular season, right? Like. Offensively. We'll, we'll kind of it'll kind of be a, a wait and see. I feel like it'll be a little bit like like Clemson in the ACC, where they're I expect them to kind of run the table. The Colts, obviously, those games should be in division should be pretty tough. Um, Colts defense obviously is really good, but I think you're right, Josh. I think the Titans absolutely should win that division, and it'll kind of just be wait and see. We've got home field advantage in the playoffs, and we better win some games. We better win that first game. Yeah, they're in a situation where it's like when the Pats were like at their best, they'd go like five and one, six and zero in the division. I'm not saying obviously we have the Colts who are competitive, but like if they can go five and one, like split the home and home with the with the Colts, and they sweep the Jags and sweep the Texans, that's how you win. That's how it's done. I mean, what did Hardwick talk about the Chargers? You know, there was like there's just like a formula. Get to an X amount of wins at home. Like he would, they'd be like, all right, let's be six and two at home. Be five and one within the division games, and you're in the money. Five and one in the division games, you're going to win the division most likely. So I think Tennessee's in a great spot. Um, some other teams in a great spot. Flipping sports, we'll go to the NBA. Is this Hawks team? Is this this team's dangerous? I don't think this was kind of a fluke game. I think they kind of have. They're so deep. Everyone fits their role so well. They have there's no like missing piece that they don't have. Kind of they have that big, that, that strong athletic big, and John Collins, the guy who's down in the paint, Capella, Trey Young. Honestly, has been pretty unstoppable in the playoffs. He's picking apart defenses. He's hitting from long range. He's drawing. He's going into the paint. He's drawing defenders, kicking it out to Bogdanovich, who toss you called way earlier that they're, that's their second best player on the team, which I, I completely agree with. Then you have Gallinari. I mean, DeAndre Hunter is still there. Uh, and they have Lou Will, which is completely underrated off the bench. I mean, this team is yeah. 10, to, and Hoyter, it's 10 guys deep. 
I mean, Philly kind of really struggled well, to keep up. And all of them can shoot. Yeah. All of them can shoot. They struggled to keep up. Are the Sixers uh, in trouble? It, it was a really fun game yeah. to watch because the Sixers cut the lead at the end. I mean, this was like, this game seemed out of hand for the Sixers the entirety of it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, the Sixers, they come roaring back, um, their defense being what helped them the most. And I think some of that is just, this is a young Hawks team, right? They are going to make some mistakes. They yeah. turned over the ball here and there. Um I, I really felt as I was watching the game that the Sixers could have won that game, but you got to give credit to Bogdanovich for his shot making ability. He kind of puts the dagger in. He cut, he he brings it back to seven, I think it was, um, with like forty five seconds left or a minute and twenty something like that. But it doesn't seem like they can really stop Trey Young. Um, but I really, yeah, I don't know if they can win the series. I think it's going to go pretty deep. I think it's going to be a dogfight on both sides of this. But I'm I'm here for. Trey Young being the villain, the heel of the NBA, because we need. Thank that, God, right? not everyone can be the the good boy, the the good guy, and um, I, I like him stepping up and being the bad guy, going on an away team's court and winning that game. Every uh, we, props, major props to Joel Embiid, because he played on a torn meniscus and he had an unbelievable 39. game. Yeah, he was insane. Yeah, and he went like 17 for 18 from the free throw line. Like clearly it wasn't hurting him. I mean, he said after the fact like it's tough. It's tough to play on a torn meniscus and yeah, I bet I bet it is. He also had some, say. he had some major blocks too. Sim, him and Simmons played well defensively. It's just so unfortunate Simmons like can't hit from the line and can't shoot. It's such a letdown. Right. I mean, and then yeah, I mean Tobias Harris also is playing some of his best basketball of his life. Is playing the best basketball of his life. It's just like they had no answer. It was so weird. Like Simmons on Trey Young didn't work. Diable on Trey Young didn't work. They tried to double him with Danny Green at times, and that really didn't work. Um, they couldn't really just they couldn't slow him down. He's a good facilitator, man. And, and they had other guys like Hoyer really cooked today. And like you keep, Hoyer getting 15 off the bench, that's just major trouble. And it's not a garbage time game is a major trouble situation for the 76ers. Um, unfortunately, Knicks Clippers beat tosses Mavs. Mavs going home. We, we kind of saw it tale of two tapes in a sense the the big guns Luca and Kawhi obviously went and got theirs and were excellent Mavs not getting not giving Luca a lot of help Clippers giving Kawhi a lot of help with the veterans Reggie Jackson Morris Kennard off the bench who like for some reason doesn't play ever um hitting major shots at the end of the game Batum playing good minutes um Terrence Mann was nice whereas the Mavs outside of Timmy Handjobs um kind of fell short and really and he wasn't even that good today it was, do, it was Doe. It was Doe. Sorry, Dorian. Dorian finished. Yeah, Do, Dorian was great. A, Dorian had a really good um, game. But, I think that we're we're due a segment though, right? Yeah, yeah. We have to uh, we have uh, to do it. We have to do it right. Yeah, I mean it's there it was go. a maybe I was wrong, but it's not a maybe. It's a I was wrong. Yeah, because I completely I, blew that. I uh, like a like a drunken fan in the stands after two games. I said that the Mavs were going to sweep, which obviously was. Definitely wrong. But then Nick said, Josh, you asked us on last week's show if any of the games were going to go to seven, and we thought a few games were, and it turns out that the only one that did was Mavs versus Clippers, which I think anticipating like which series were going to be great going, looking at the playoffs as they first started. I think a lot of people were excited about it because of everything that went down last year. Obviously, there, there felt like there was some bad blood, specifically coming from Morris and Harrell. I know he was on the Lakers, but – um, there was a lot of expectations for that Clippers team last year, and they didn't meet the expectations, although they did beat the Mavs in that first round. Now coming into this season, still expectations, right? I, I, we texted earlier about this. 
they had the, the highest three-point percentage in regular season history and highest free-throw percentage in regular season history. This okay. is a team that's been hot all season, even though Kawhi and Paul George both missed about 20 games. Um, but they've been relying on their bench throughout the entire season, and I think that's the difference in, in today's game and in, in kind of finally Ty Lue was able to get a hold of what he needed to do from a, a team concept where – you got to rely on these guys that have been shooting threes and knocking down threes all season to continue to do so. Yeah, right? absolutely. Canard in and look what he does. Like he, he had yeah. a good game. He had over 10 points, man had over 10 points. Morris obviously had 20 plus. Um, but you know, mistakes that Ty Lue made early in the series by playing Patrick Beverly, by forcing Zubac on the court are the real reason why this, this series went to seven. Now this is a, this is a Clippers team that wanted to play the Mavericks. They lost those those last two games at the end of the season to play the Mavericks. And this is not the, like, despite them winning the series. And mm-hmm. I think there's kind of two sides of this. One side is that now they're rolling, right? Yeah. It feels like they found their rhythm. They know who they are, but on the, on the other side of the coin, you didn't want this series to go seven with the Mavericks. Right. This was a dog fight. Like it Utah. took a lot out of them. And Utah's had like five days off, right? Right. Yeah, and they're the number one team in the West. So I, I don't know. It's going to be a really interesting series. Gobert is playing some of the best offensive basketball yes. he's ever played. Defensively, he was the best he's been metric wise this regular season, and he kind of continued that against Memphis. So it'll be interesting because you're going to have to have Zubac out on the court. Yeah, which so you, you, we'll, you, we'll see. But it's going to be, yeah. I was going to say you bring up a great point though that it. Yeah, it took a lot out of them, and obviously you don't want to go to that situation where you're going to seven games, especially when this team has as, the Jazz has as much time as as Nick is saying as off as they did. But at least you find your lineup. You know they figured out okay they have to go what small do you think ball. Is, yeah, what do you think's more important is not more important, but what do you think is the the bigger edge, having the rest or having the momentum? Uh, with it, I don't. I mean, I think mom. I mean, I think the momentum. I guess I, I would say I would say rest. Probably, I would say rest. Yeah, but to especially be with like the way for a the team like was. the Clippers. Well, and the Clippers are not a young team, right? Man is a young guy, but the rest of the guys are they're not yeah. they're not old. But like you, you do need energy, right? Clearly, you need energy to win these games in the playoffs because it just zaps you. So, I, not to say I'm worried about the Clippers. I'm I'm not. I'm I'm more so just excited. I have no idea what this Jazz Clippers series is going to look like. It's interesting on the West it feels like the Clippers are the only kind of true contender that's still there, right? Like right. the Suns and the, and the Nuggets and the Jazz are kind of fringe contenders. Everyone thought it was going to be the Lakers first, then the Clippers coming in that second spot. We thought we were going to get them in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. Now it's uh, it's do they really belong in the second round or not? I mean, again, like I the Mavs taking this series would have been incredible, but I don't want to take away from what Luka did. He's so good. He's so fantastic. Yeah. And, it was a historical series across all all fronts. We for yeah. We say that like they look like the only contender in the West now, but I think only because of the fact that like they're the only ones that have the true superstars right now. Like like the right. like the guys who have been there before. Yeah. You know, like Paul right. George and why, right? And I mean, Jokic is a superstar by all means, but he has he hasn't been there before. And on the other side of, of the uh the NBA, you got Giannis still out there, you still got Katie and Harden and and Kyrie's still out there and you know Joel's out there. So looking at a young team like the Suns, looking at a, a team like 
like the Jazz, who I think are still a contender. Uh, yeah. But they've just never really done it before. I more so mean, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I more so mean like at the beginning of the season, right? Yeah. Or, like, or more right. so at the beginning of the playoffs, everyone's like, who are our big contenders? Who right. do we really think can take it all the way? And it always bodes well when you when you have a guy that's been there before, mm. right? Like right. with Kawhi. And obviously Kawhi stepped up. To me, um, I, I look at this series and Paul George played really good basketball. It was great to see him step into that role of creator, playmaker, yeah. when Kawhi's off the court. Apparently, Chauncey Billups has been working a lot with him. Another reason, Josh, why the Celtics should go I was after about Chauncey. To, I was watching the game today, and I'm literally thinking, I want this guy to be my next. I'm just looking at it. I see he's active. I, I, I want him to be the, the next head coach. I really do. I would love for Chauncey to be the next head coach I, of the Celtics. I wonder... I just I I'm for the Clippers going forward. Ty Lue is not a good coach. He really isn't. He takes too long to make adjustments, and this series should not have gone to seven. If the coaches were flipped on these teams, the Clippers probably would have gentlemen sweeped the Mavs. Like Luca might have gotten one game on his heroics, but if Rick Carlisle was the head coach for the Clippers, this never would have even happened. Yeah. So I think that's that's an issue because if you want to win championships in those early round series, the first and second round series. You need to get out as quickly as you can to not put wear and tear at, at the end of this, at the end of playoff basketball, all said and done, it's like two months of basketball, two months of extra basketball. The most that you can, the, the more you can limit your guys from playing extra minutes. Look, they do it in the regular season with Kawhi, right? They, they bench him when he doesn't need to play, when he's got a soreness. So it, it's something to look out for just him being their head coach and what that means for them as a title contender. Yeah. And I think some more takeaways. I think Nick, to answer your question though, I think it's, it's for me, it's situational here. I think it does help the Clippers to kind of extend it. Obviously, they're a bit older, but it, it really got them in a rhythm. Kawhi's past two games, like this game and the last game, are some of the best basketball I've seen Kawhi play in a while, probably all year, the past two games. Paul George was a great facilitator. You got Morris, you got Reggie Jackson, Batum was good. These guys are starting to get in rhythm. They found their lineup. So I think it's situational. So I think for the Clippers and the Jazz in this, in this, in this sense, I think it helps that the Clippers kind of got that game six and game seven and got those two wins and had that momentum. Unfortunately for the Mavs, I'm fully... I'm just fully out on KP as a number two, and I think there's about to be a massive sweepstakes. I really am like maybe I'm in the maybe I'm in the minority. Yes. I think so. There's a massive sweepstakes for Damian Lillard, and we were talking about it a lot in the city when I was in New York this weekend. About that, I just think the New York Knicks need to do whatever they can. And aside from giving up, obviously you have to keep retain Randall. I prefer for them not to give up RJ Barrett, but outside of that, do whatever you can to go get Damian Lillard and have him kind of bring basketball back to New York. But I think the Mavs are in a similar situation if they can go get Lillard. I think someone has to go get him, and I think the Mavs clearly need that number we two piece. Dude, go get him. Why we not? can't get – we can't we can't because we don't have enough to get him. They're, they're in The Mavs are in a real predicament because you have one of the best players in the world, one of the top five best players in the world. Top three. And you have you – have probably after this series, I, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind. But – I, I don't know how they put the pieces around him. Like the one thing you have to, to give credit to the Hawks for Trey young might make it to an Eastern conference finals because he has the right pieces around him. Yeah. They like crushed you it. were just talking about how, how deep their roster is. The Mavs have no secondary score. Like, like Tim Hardaway is a, he's a microwave off the bench. He's a Lou will. And you even on that Clippers team last year, like Lou will was not their second score. He was their third score right after Paul George and Kawhi. So yeah. I, I don't know how you do it. Just, it just, um, Balmer did a really great job of grabbing Paul George and Kawhi. Cause you've got two guys in the, 
top 15 guys in the league on your team. And, and it's tough to make it all the way without that. Yeah. I, I don't know what the Mavs, I don't know what their plan is. I'm, I'm worried I mean, because I'm, I'm scared a bit because I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how quickly Luca would be to, to be dissatisfied. You'd probably have to consider that other teams will make much more enticing offers than the Mavs would. Yeah. For Dane. I'm just there's saying. No I feel like there's no chance the Mavs yeah. get him. Yeah, I think the Knicks also could look into Russ going there. I think CP, let's see how the playoffs, the rest of them shake out. They can make a move for him. Obviously, point guards in New York are such a big deal. Dame's the hardest to get. I also think that just similar to the Julio Jones thing is there's a little bit of respect involved too, where it's like, damn, you gave so much to the city. Let's give you the option to to pick where you go as well. I Obviously think, they want to get the best, best offer yeah. possible, but if it, if they're talking to a team like, Hey, look, Dame wants to come to New York. Let's make this deal happen. But we also need to get compensated fairly incorrectly. Well, let me sell you this deal. On the he Knicks wants to win. hundred percent wants to win. I personally think, and this might be crazy. I think he needs to go to the bucks. I don't know how, I mean, that's a, I mean, that's holiday. That's picks. I mean, yeah, that'd be sick. I would love for the Giannis and, and Dame to be together. That'd be a, an absolute nightmare for everybody involved. Uh, the only reason I have this New York's Nick, aside from maybe just jumping on this bandwagon this year, my New York's my New York Knicks narrative stems from. I think that the Knicks being back and winning in the Garden is the best thing for the NBA. Damian Lillard is one of the most respected, well-liked players in the NBA by the players in New York. Yeah, he'd be the king. He'd be, king of, he'd, be, he'd be one of the kings of sports. If he went to New York and brought not only the Knicks basketball back, because it's kind of already there, but he brought them to the championship and won on his back, he'd be the one of the kings of sports. He would have brought the garden back. He would have revived the Knicks. I, I really think he's going to stay in Portland for his entire career, and I think that they're going to have to move McCollum and see how much they could get for him. Because I think that's that's what the rumors are already buzzing. The Paul George rumors are buzzing too, which is crazy because they just won the series. But I think it was kind of like, if they lose, what happens, right? I just don't think, I don't see Dame, I don't see him leaving because he's that type of guy. He likes the chip on his shoulder. He'll never he win. being the unsung hero. But yeah, of course not. I agree completely. Look, they've been a top four team in the West for the last five years and they haven't gone to the Western conference finals except once. And that was, they probably shouldn't have made it that year. Yeah. Like, no, they'll never win. They'll never win. Because you know, what's going to happen. Murray's going to come back to the nuggets. Cause that's the kicker here. Honestly, in the Western conference, this nuggets team, if Murray was back, they'd be the top, they'd be the top team. If Jamal Murray was playing in Denver right now, they'd be the number one team to win in the Western conference. I don't think there'd be much of a question to be honest. They're missing a major piece. So he's going to be back. That Denver team's already there. I think this Jazz team's for real. And who knows? Chris Paul, if they could win this series against Denver and at least get to the Western Conference Finals, he may run it back once more. Obviously, you guys know how I feel about Luka. The Portland thing has run its course. We could maybe wait it out another year, and he could he could be the seventh or sixth seed one more time, and he can go for it again. Or we could sit here, and he could, he could stand his ground, and go, I'm never leaving Portland, but he's never going to win. Because C.J. McCollum is just a step up of my, my Christoph's Przingis feeling. He's good. He's not a number two. You cannot win with him as your number two player. As good as he is. He's good. He's really good. But he's not a number two. I love the Bucks narrative, if that could somehow happen. Um, I, it's kind of a mid-market team, so he doesn't have to go to like Miami or Los Angeles. Uh, I think New York's a little different because they've been bad for so long. That Milwaukee narrative would be a lot of fun. But the whole situation in Portland has run its course for me. 
He's done what he, he's done. He's done everything he can. He literally put up yeah. the best game I've yeah. ever seen in my life in a loss by a player. Ever. He was he was unbelievable in that first OT and second OT where he popped off. But I think the crux for the Damian Lillard argument is that he's still he's not a top he might not be a top seven player in basketball. He's not. And but he's top how, 10. Are you, how are you expecting? Sure, sure. But I, the Dirk 2011 championship, like that is, I don't know if that's repeatable. I, in the modern NBA where teams like the Clippers have Paul George and Kawhi, teams like the Lakers who won last year have LeBron and Anthony Davis. The bubble is a little weird because the heat got there. But like you've got, like you said, you've got Giannis and Middleton and, drew in the east and of course you've got the nets now too it's like how are you uh, unless major injuries occur and the warriors coming back next year when clay gets healthy and they have wiseman and wiggins and steph and whoever they pick you just you i don't know if you can do it if luca couldn't do it right how is how is dame gonna do it you can't so you gotta go and you gotta move you gotta move cj and someone else and try and go get the best guy that you can get the best guy you can possibly get. Putting Dame on the Knicks' current roster doesn't win the Knicks a championship. I don't know if it even moves the needle to a top three team in the East. It move it moves them. They were the number four team this year, and it definitely cements them as a top five team. And I honestly think I think obviously the whole net situation is tough. But if Damian Lillard's there, that Hawks series, I'm not saying they win it, but it's a different series. Clearly, the Hawks are a for real team, and the, and the Sixers are not by and large the number one seed because the Hawks went in there and dominated for most of the game and took game one. The Bucks again, had a very poor showing against the Nets. They just really did. They came out so flat. Harden didn't even play. And they in kinda, game one? Yeah. They got, yeah, they I got mean, piped. This definitely, it's a, kinda. You, you got to look, though. You got to, I mean, it's an interesting kind of, just case study at the end of every playoff game to go and look at the stats and just go look at the three point shooting because today Clippers versus Mavs, the Clippers shot nearly 50% from the three point line. They made almost two times more threes. And the same thing happened with the nets against the bucks. Sometimes the shot just doesn't fall and you kind of, it's an uphill battle. It's, it's really tough to win those games, especially on those teams like the nets, like the Clippers, like the jazz who are so high volume three-point shooting where if they have a good shooting night you it's going to be tough to beat them no matter what you do so i wouldn't i i'm not looking too much into this game one of the bucks because they had a really poor shooting night yeah they had a, they're really, a good shooting team they are a good shooting team and they shot not poorly absolutely horrendous they went six from 30 from the three brutal yeah and no harden blake griffin oh where's blake he's not doing anything boom blake griffin of old i mean this Nets team is scary. It's so scary. And I don't, I mean, the Bucks may, their hand may be forced again to go make another move like Nick is saying. Um, but on a lighter note, there's one guy in baseball who we kind of touched upon last time as maybe the best baseball player, best pitcher we've ever seen, maybe best pitcher ever. DeGrom went again on Saturday night, seven innings, three hits, one walk, 11 Ks. It seems like this guy's automatic every time. His stat line this year, he's five and two with a .62 ERA and 93 strikeouts in 58 innings. So it's 14.4, 14.5 like strikeouts per nine innings. Is it crazy the funniest or the most amazing part of that stat line is that he's got a .62 ERA and two losses? Is that the most ridiculous thing of all time? Wild. It's wild, right? 
I mean, people have always talked about him potentially making the Hall of Fame and having under 100 wins. Which would be absolutely insanity. It's nuts. Yeah. It'd be pretty crazy. Nick, do you think, I text in our group text, do you think your boy Fernando Tatis, I, I think we could kind of agree that he's probably the NL MVP at this point. But do you think this kid Winker, even though he's not nearly as sexy and his team's not as good, if he continues to hit the way he does, do you think he could kind of make a case for it? He's definitely got a case. I think he's he's in consideration. Um, it, it's funny. One, one of our boys was at the game in St. Louis um, the other day at Bush, and uh, they were saying that the Reds were heckling Winker because of his last name. And I was like, he's like, this Winker guy. I'm like, yeah, well, that Winker guy is a top five MVP candidate right now. So... <laughs> Yeah, he's absolutely want. balling. But, I mean, he's got 14 home runs, hitting 342 with 31 RBIs. I mean, he's balling out. And that was going into Sunday. You I know, definitely you know, think. You know what he did this Sunday? He had three home runs and had six RBIs. So that was there you go. Yeah, so he's got 17 right now. The guy's absolutely caking. He's tied for the. So he's tied for the uh, the lead. Yeah, he's tied for the NL lead. No, sorry, he's one off the league. NL yeah. league. Yeah, the MLB league. That's Vlad Guerrero Jr., who we spoke about last time, is also on a tear. Um, I, have you guys listened to – there's apparently yeah, – Another guy on that team is an MVP candidate is Castellanos. Yeah, they're a great one-two punch. And it's unfortunate that, that – they had it with Bauer. They had such a good, like, small, but they got a solid window. And they're just going to be this 500 team or sub kind of sub-500 team this year. They suck. Yeah, <laughs> they ain't no good. We should check out, uh, someone recommended uh, Theo Epstein. I think he was on The Ringer, maybe. Maybe been, maybe, or maybe Simmons Podcast. Maybe been Simmons Podcast. Um, where he kind yeah, of, he was on Simmons. He was on Simmons. I've listened. You, you, did, you, did you? He, uh, it was a lot of interesting stuff. You know yeah, what? Yeah, I did. He was, he was awesome. He said that the most people's favorite play in baseball was a triple, then a double, then a stolen base. More so than like a home run. That was like their three favorite plays in baseball. So they're trying to go through analytics and see how they can bring that back. Does that resonate with you guys? Because, what it's, is it? because it's the most it's the it's the most rare play in baseball. And because of that, people find it the most exciting. Because so many play? guys swing for, No, yeah. just a triple. No, no, no. A, tri- a triple hitting a triple. Because so many guys swing for the fences and they try and hit a home run. Well, I would say an inside the park home run, but Well, yeah. But yeah. I'm saying like the like the standard like double single home run. Like the stolen base, like maybe like the standard plays. Um, I kind of like a, I don't know, depends. No, I, I still like to see, I still like to see home runs. Like a towering bomb is is fun. I think I'm a loser. I think my favorite thing in baseball, like late in the game, is like an epic strikeout. Like late in the like past seventh inning strikeout when like there's like the game is tight. Like a strikeout is so swag. No, I th- I think the the strikeout is a little bit like Reggie Jackson. Hitting a three tonight against the the Mavs. No, it's like an icy like game oh, ender yeah, where yeah, you yeah. look to your buddy on the couch and you go, "It's over. That's it." When a guy strikes a guy out, you know, in the in the seventh inning, and there's like two guys on second and third with two outs, and you're like, "This is their chance." Yeah, it's three one. This is our chance to get back in it. And he puts the batter down, and you go, "Okay, that's it. That's the game." Yeah. Maybe it's not the game, but like when you get that feeling, right? Like that's what a good strikeout will do. Mm-hmm. I love a good strikeout. Yeah, we're recording on Sunday, so we're not gonna we're gonna have to touch upon the Floyd Paul fight. Um, and it hasn't even happened yet. Uh, when we go next time, did you guys know that like, Bryce Hall, the TikTok kid, is fighting somebody now? Yeah, he's fighting a professional boxer. Do you think His you'd ever Austin Austin Broom? Do you think you'd ever get to a point like, hey, let's say you pop, we're popping off, 
someone starts causing beef with us, would any of you guys step into the ring? I would not want to do that. I, I mean, look, big payday. Those guys are getting a lot of money to, to do these dumbass fights. But, like, I think it's kind of a, it's kind of disrespectful to, like, the sport of boxing. Like, the guys who literally pour their heart and soul yeah. and, like, their entire lives into training to become professional boxers. Mm-hmm. You know, there's guys that have never even sniffed the, the, the like, biggest stage of ever in the ring. You know, they've trained their entire life. They've had 40 fights and they're badass, but they're not getting paid millions of dollars because there's other guys out there. And now it's just the whole publicity stunt. It's who's the most popular person we can put in a ring who can, you know, give us yeah. the most uh, controversy here. And they do all these stupid little stunts on, on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube where they talk shit to each other in each other's driveways or press conferences, like with like their posses and, like the posse gets in a fight with the other posse. It's like, it's so stupid. It's like, just fucking have a rap battle. Yeah. Get creative. Yeah. I, I do think that like the one thing and it's different, right? It feels different. I didn't know about Bryce Hall, but that feels different than what Logan and, and Jake yeah, it's are very doing. Different. Because I think Logan, underst- Logan understands that like, there's weight behind them fighting, not from like a record standpoint, but that if more people will end up watching boxing, I think like he and Jake maybe initially kind of had the feeling where they're like, we want to be boxers. Like we could do it, but I think they both come to love it. Clearly they've both been doing it for long enough where if they didn't like it, they'd be putting themselves through a really shitty time to do this. Right. I'm with you you on that. I think, I think Jake and and Logan are different. Uh, You clearly could see that they train their asses off and, they clear like Jake can clearly beat people's ass. And he's done it. They're also money with guys. Logan, with yeah, they're big money guys. And with Logan, I I can see it as well. And he's fighting the greatest fighter of all time, Floyd Mayweather. You're not gonna miss that opportunity. But like the Bryce Hall stuff, like and this isn't gonna be the last one. There's gonna be another TikToker out there that we don't know about that's gonna try to fight someone and try to make a shit ton of money off of it. And like I I looked up Bryce Hall today. I'm like, oh my god, like this guy. He's not intimidating at all. He's getting his ass whooped. Yeah, he's gonna get smacked. He's gonna absolutely get smacked. Well, you told us Nick that I didn't realize on the card was Ocho Cinco. Yeah, that was low key on this on this card tonight. Um, on the Logan and Mayweather fight, yeah, Ocho Cinco is fighting against the former boxer. I think he's it's like, a, it's like an experiment though, kind of thing. Versus, like, I think he has like an understanding of what he's doing. It's versus, like, I don't think Ocho Cinco is getting knocked out. I think it's more of like a, a test to himself, like. Okay, like let's see what else I can do. He's always been up for the challenge of that. Kind yeah, of stuff. I remember when he was in the NFL and when he was leaving the NFL, he was trying to kick field goals and like try to play soccer and like I think he just right. wants to do a bunch of shit. And I racing, think that's cool. Racing Tyreek Hill like on the on the gridiron stuff like that. But I, you just if you're one of those former athletes and you're considering doing it, you always I, again I agree. I think Ocho Cinco is a little bit different, but like you got to make sure you don't get Nate Robinson, right? Like, because that is what I, I will, I, I love Nate Robinson when he was competing. Yeah, that's all I ever remember I about that he, him. That he did the dunk contest. But all I know is like this imprinted <laughs> meme in my head of him on the mat. Flat as on the mat. Yeah. But the ultra single thing, I think, yeah. I think it's, he is, it's the challenge. I think people get that it's the challenge for him. And he's just trying to see what he can do. It's like a, it's kind of like an experiment type situation. And I think he also kind of understands that he's, he's not one of these guys going, "I'm gonna kick his ass." I'm gonna fuck. He's not. We haven't seen that out of this. I think he's kind of he gets what's about to happen, kind of thing. He's he knows he's fighting a former fighter, uh, and it's that situation. And the Paul brothers, like, this is a huge payday. Maybe their boxing careers may not work out, but now they're in the boxing world. 
So now you can become promoters. And we know how much fucking money the boxing promoters make and how much power the boxing promoters have to, can make. They have great relationships, I'm sure, with Showtime and other major and DAZN and other major boxing networks. Um, so I, I think it's yeah. a really, it's just a really good business business venture. It's great uh, networking by them, honestly. And so even yeah, if Logan yep. gets his ass kicked, it's he's still one of the most prominent names of boxing. Weirdly, I, uh, I it's just. It's just the entertainment industry. I mean, at the end of the day, like, it's just what's going to sell. And you look at, you know, even content like on Netflix and Hulu, like, just as much content as possible they put out there, it's going to sell. I just looked up Austin McBroom, the guy who's supposed to fight Bryce Hall. He's actually not a professional boxer. He's, he's, like, he's training. He's training right? Yeah. He's training a lot, but it says, like, in his Wikipedia, it says, like, professional basketball player, internet sensation, YouTubers. Like, they're all YouTubers. Like, it's just like, it just takes away from the actual the true boxers. And I feel bad for those guys. I, you know what I'd really like them to see? I would like them to see them get in the octagon and try to fight the UFC fighters. No, they, they get, would, they, they get, get destroyed. Murdered. They would get killed. They would get murdered. Like they would be on their back, either getting ground pound or, you know, they'd be rear naked choked to death. Neck snapped. Cocked back. It'd be horrible for them. Honestly. Terrible. It'd be a terrible experience. Like they'd just they'd take one. They'd take one knee. It'd be like, who was it? it, it ask Ask New against uh, Masvidal when he just kneed him in the face and then yeah. done. Done. Yeah, it would be like that for every single fight. Yeah, KO in the like, second. That was pretty. That was pretty epic. Um, it's my favorite KO. I, of all time. Shout out to Essential Essential Quality. Won the Belmont Stakes. Oh yeah. Yeah, another uh, one of the triple crown races went down this weekend. So shout yeah, out to South George's quality. family. <laughs> he beat me to it, Nick. I was gonna go give it a shout bunch out of, to his bunch family. Of yeah, big shout out to his family um, for sure. Essential uh, quality. I'm sure sounds his like a, family. I'm sure his family has a long lineage of winning. Yeah. So maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, essential those quality horses, sounds like a bread. Yeah, yeah. They're all bred. They've got the the lineage that's uh, keeps yeah. them in tip top shape competing for the for the triple crown but essential quality to me sounds like a water bottle company or something like that. i thought honestly i'm not gonna lie to you i didn't look up who won the belmont stakes and i thought that was our sponsor like i thought it was a new sponsor you were just throwing out there like we're sponsored by essential quality yeah no (laughs) are we sponsored by anybody no we're not we are we're of course sponsored as always by betonline.ag so uh go put in some some props for who you think's going to win the NBA title, um, who you think is going to, well, you can't bet on the Logan Paul fight, but I'm sure he's fighting again sometime soon. So you can buy, you can bet on his second fight. That's coming up. Nick, the Bryce, any, Hall uh, fight. The Bryce Hall fight, Nick, any big bets you've got locked in for this upcoming week, maybe in baseball or in basketball. Nah, I evaluate in, that day by day. Or in hockey. Let's go Islanders. Right. Wait, Josh, are you an Islanders fan? What's the deal I, the, here? The Islanders, that, this, is, this is important to clarify because the Islanders, the New York Islanders, are playing the Boston Bruins. I'm Josh pull, is I'm traditionally for, a Boston I'm pulling fan for the across Islanders. the board. I'm pulling for the Islanders on this one. And why is that? Why is that? I feel bad for them. I don't. I have no, I have no claim to any hockey team. I don't follow hockey. I don't watch hockey. I don't want to jump on the Bruins bandwagon just because I'm all Boston. I never was there to begin with. And so now I feel like I owe a little something to my hometown, my home state. I give them a little back. They are like, they're like the Long Island team. They're literally the Islanders 
everyone here like right. so many people here liked him. It's kind of pathetic, and now they're kind of close, and so I'm pulling for him. Yeah, they uh, they're up in the series two to one. The Bruins have some major defensemen that are out. Uh, two of their starting defensemen are out, which is trouble. So I, the Islanders very well could be moving on to the next round. Yeah, and uh, maybe they'll see uh, the Lightning look like heavy favorites to win the cup again. Yeah, so they're we'll absolutely see if they take it all the way. But they're cruising. I'm glad I have a Lightning jersey so I can throw that on whenever they win. <laughs> they're smacking the uh, Carolina Hurricanes, who are weirdly good. Guns in my head. I knew they had a. I knew they had a hockey team. I guarantee guns in most people's heads. They wouldn't know they had a hockey team. A lot of trouble. Uh, cool. All right. Well, rock and roll, guys. Next time we are speaking to you, we'll probably be on the radio. So get excited, uh, fans out there. Drag both feet and bounce. We're gonna full camera with that puck. Hit that putt. Hit your PKs because they free. Hit your free throws. Why, guys? Because they're free. The Clippers made all of their free throws today. Way to go, Clippers. And Nick, we out you. We love you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.